from the Film Society of Lincoln Center, you're listening to The Close-Up. Each week we bring you in-depth conversations with the biggest names in filmmaking. This is the second episode coming from the 54th New York Film Festival, which continues through October 16th with some of the best cinema, new and old, from around the world. In part one of today's episode, you'll hear a conversation with actress Kristen Stewart. And later, you'll hear from the director and star of Aquarius, which comes out in select theaters this weekend. Kristen Stewart stars in three films at this year's festival, Kelly Reichardt's Certain Women, Olivier Assayas's Personal Shopper, and Ang Lee's Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. She spoke with festival director Kent Jones about her varied career, her love of collaboration, and her latest venture into directing during An Evening with Kristen Stewart, an intimate tribute benefiting the Film Society. Certain Women begins its official theatrical run this weekend. Let's go now to their conversation. Hi. You come, you come from a, a filmmaking family, right? Is that, is that the right way of putting it? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I, I guess technically it starts with somebody who I'm not um, uh, genetically related to, technically, but I grew up um, with uh, Mickey Moore sort of functioning as my grandfather of sorts. And... Um, that's only because my mom was his script supervisor, and he, uh, uh, it's an awesome story, let me just tell you all about it. Uh, <laughs> no, um, he, he was actually, he was a prop man, and then Cecil B. DeMille liked him so much that he wrote a letter to the DGA to get him in to be his first assistant director. And um, so I, I saw that letter growing up, and then he went on to direct a bunch of movies, and... Um, be a second unit director into his 90s, and he was like incredible, and uh, that's where it started. Yeah, and my dad's an AD, and my brothers are all grips, and yeah. And your mom is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's a script supervisor, right. you know, where she was for a long time. Yeah, and a director. Because I've always been had the thought that you have um, an orientation to filmmaking that is a little bit different from a lot of your fellow actors. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, everyone like, yeah, everyone's drawn to it for different reasons. I really loved... Um, I, I, I wanted to know where my parents were for 18 hours. And, like, and, uh, and it was always, like, uh, you know, exciting. And, and um, they always came back, like, uh, tired, but, like, it was so... It was so worth sleeping six hours and getting up to do it again. And they had weird stuff in their pockets and they smelled like they'd been a thousand places. And I was like, what happened? You, your jacket is freezing. It's not even cold here. Like, I, yeah, so I, 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 um, I, I love the idea that there's all these people protecting something really precious and hard to define. And the only way to define it is to get to the end of this thing, you know? Because for a lot of, uh, I, I think that for you, you were saying something the other day when we were talking, this I guess was during the Certain Women uh, press conference, right? When you were talking about wanting to work with certain people, uh, collaborators, specifically directors, I think, um, that that's what attracts you as opposed to like, I want to play this character. Um, is that more the attraction, collaborators? You said that you, you, know, you like it when you just meet somebody and you click with them. Yeah, I've, I've, I've really rarely been wrong about those feelings like I, I always like come crashing down if I meet somebody like who I like and and we don't love each other <laughs> I'm like wait 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 you tricked me you're a crazy person you're a sociopath and um 
those exist, but it's rare. And so like, I've, I've really grown to trust that feeling. It's, it's always been really fruitful. So that would include Olivier, I guess, since you've just made- He's a sociopath. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And yet he's here, so we have to pretend that you oh. like him. Yeah. <laughs> you have to pretend that it went well. But um, this well, is I'm your... just using him. Oh, I mean, he's oh, doing yeah. really good things for my career, so <laughs> I don't like him. Yeah. I just... <clears throat> You're just climbing the ladder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a stepping stone. I get it. Yeah, okay. So this is your second film that w with Olivier. Um, your first one, you were here at the New York Film Festival three years back with Cods of Sils Maria. And what's, what's the difference between the two different experiences, the two different movies? They're two different kinds of movies, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, well, we... First, I'm sorry, how many people yeah. have seen Personal Shopper? Cool. Okay, we don't want to say, so we don't want to say too much about it, but we can say enough and sure. say that it's a ghost story of sorts. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, on, on Sils Maria, I felt there are certain parts that I want to play because I see it and it's um, uh, either that I see it so clearly that I feel like I can just do it in my sleep and that it, that it, that it is something that... Um, you know, makes sense to me to the point where I'm like, well, it would be silly to not just do it. But the ones that are really exciting are ones that perplex me. And I'm like, oh man, I don't even, I'm terrified of this. I don't even know why I'm drawn to it. On Sils Maria, I really thought it was the first thing until I started doing it. I was like, I've, I know this world. I understand like what it takes to service an artist and admire something and then be caught up in it and um, kind of, you know, not lose yourself, but just sort of like a, a facilitate another thing. But then it, it turned into uh, what he does, you know, stymingly well is that like all of this invisible stuff started rising to the surface and I was like, oh my God, Olivier, did you have any idea? And we, we don't talk a whole lot when we're shooting. Uh, all of his work is like so evident in the script and da da da, but, but, but these things just kind of blew my head off and then I looked at him differently at the end of the movie as opposed to throughout. Throughout, I was always staring at him to see any indication that he actually created this. I'm like, oh, this came from you, but like, what? And, um, um, yeah. And then, uh, but on, uh, but then on Personal Shopper, I knew him, you know, and, and um, I don't know, there's like this, it's the worst when you can't define something because it seems like it's nothing. It, it literally, uh, we, agree when things are right and we agree when things are wrong and there's no like right and wrong to making a movie it's just that if you find the right group of people who think all the right who, who agree about the right and the wrong you just go so you're so validated and you can be so much more intently focused on your intention I don't know I just like um I feel this dude and uh and um after, like after, it's it's the conversations that occur at the end at the rap party that I'm always that those are like the most interesting conversations. Um, but throughout, it's really more it's like it's it's glances and it's like it's a it's um it's almost like we're both like thermometers. We're both like how are you? And we're usually kind of the same temperature, and I don't know why. And then at the end, it's like wow, I really was led to something that I can only see now. It's really cool. That's yeah. When you were in the middle of doing it, you were just kind of like doing it, and then you're seeing it as the big picture, almost as a viewer, if I understand you correctly. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, not you know, you don't always um, 
this movie is weird. It's it's a movie that that totally questions like uh, uh, your per, like it it just calls into question uh, how much like personal perception just defines reality. It doesn't exist. We're not here. Who who knows? You know what I mean? Like so that in itself, I spent the whole movie going back and forth and back and forth between like being so firmly aware of what the movie was about and then thinking that it was about absolutely nothing at all and I was just walking around rooms. And, um, and then at the end it was like, well, that's what it's about, chaos. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, I think it's rare. I don't know, it's probably happened before, maybe, maybe not, but I don't know if we've ever had someone who's in three different, very different kinds of movies in the same festival. So this year there's Personal Shopper, Certain Women, and then Ang Lee's movie, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, which is coming up near the end. And um, Certain Women was night before last, right? And last night, yeah. Yes. Yes, we were f trying to figure that out. So that's a very different kind of movie. Um, that's, um, but that's also uh, grounded in simplicity, right? And yeah. something we were talking about, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's uh, I, Kelly, Kelly, um, with Kelly Reichert, the yeah, director. Yeah. yeah, she should be here right now. She's not. Uh, no. um, she she makes movies about things that people brush over all the time, you know. And um, it's hard to get a movie made unless you can like put it in a slug line and say what it's a, what what is this about? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's nice. It's like it's, I hate doing the whole like let's talk about women and stuff, but. Um, uh, most really female-centric stories are about like usually like what I've noticed is like it's a something that you can uh, really quantify in a sentence and make it sound really impressive like oh oh the, the adversity that this person faced you know they really overcame something and these people are the three women in this movie are like really struggling and really grinding um, but there's no resolve and it's... And as you said, exhausted. They're it's, all they're exhausted. They're all exhausted. It's three women that are just so tired. In a very lifelike way. Yeah, and to focus on mundane things and allow people to just like sit and, and be is so vulnerable. And it takes so much patience and faith. And um, I don't know, it's, it's hard to get people together and think like, oh, it's totally worth spending all this money and totally worth spending all this time like uh, making um, a movie about two people that sit uh, across from each other and like don't have the same conversation and nothing ever really happens. But when you watch, it's so painful. Like, um, I, I, I love her perspective. I think it's ab absolutely worth capturing. And also she's so, her movies are so natural and she's a steel train of, of fucking, like she's so composed. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I thought that was really impressive. Like I, I had to really like kind of like, 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 like shove myself into it rather than, usually I'm like, yeah, I'll like say what's on the page kind of. And then she's like, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's actually this line. I'm like, wow, your movies seem like you didn't write them. Yeah. And she literally, if I said one word wrong, it was like, no, no, it's, it's this. I was like, okay, that's, she's so great. She's, she's really, really talented. Yeah. Was she someone that you had been wanting to work with for a while? I love her movies, yeah. Like a, yeah. I mean, um, my, my friend Dakota and my really, really good friend Jesse um, Eisenberg, Dakota Fanning, are in Night Moves. Yep. And that was the first time I actually saw one of her movies and then it made me go back and go, oh, wow. And then everyone was like, don't even read it, just do it. Mm -hmm. I, I trust these people. and I read it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, was some, there was a question that came up during the press conference the other day uh, from the audience. It's a question that you probably get quite a bit, which is what's the difference between making a big movie like, you know, and, and a small movie, and I think I thought that you gave a very eloquent answer to that. And you're like, it's all work. Well, okay. 
I'm going to stop doing the thing where I like make fun of everything. The, everything that you say? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Tonight? Let's, let's just get like okay. really, let's get, let's get really real. I'm going to like, I, um, okay, so uh, <laughs> I, it's, it's not the same. It's funny, like I'm con- like, uh, it's really nice when people ask like, how did you carve this out? Like you really, have you made like really good choices and like you really stepped away from something that defined you for a long time and I've never stepped away from anything I've never stepped to I've I've really just like kept my eyes closed and forged ahead and like um yeah so uh it's more fun to play with more money it's like you know you can have um more fun you can do more things blah 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 but if it's but if it's not the right group of people and they're not doing the same thing it's just a mess and sad and uh, I've, uh, like I said before, only been let down a couple times in terms of like who I've been drawn to and then looking at the experience. Like who knows like how the movies turn out, whatever. But like I've only had bad experiences making stuff a few times. Mm-hmm. And uh, some were big, some were small. It's just not, yeah, it's just not. It depends it, yeah. on who the, who the people are. It's yeah. not the nature of the yeah. machinery. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then... So the third film that Kristen is in in the festival is Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, which is an extremely different kind of enterprise, um, a great movie, and a film that's made technically in a very unusual way, which is, as probably most of you know, 120 frames per second, 4K 3D, which yields an image that's like... It's like more information than you've ever been given in a, in a moment, and you're yeah. just like... It's. Yeah. Um, and that was, uh, what were, the cameras were enormous, right? Yeah, I was so out of my element. It was really strange because I'm, um, you know, like I was saying, I'm really obsessed with, uh, sounds so, I'm really obsessed with process. And uh, <laughs> I've never really been able to do the thing where, you know, you see an actor who puts headphones in and they're just like doing that. I'm like, no, no, but where is it we, we being seen from? And like, what, but what, what are you guys doing? And okay, cool. And I talk too much like before everything starts and like, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, you probably like need to focus and stuff. But look, but, but what's happening? And blah, blah, blah. Joe Alwyn has never made a movie before and he's the title character. He's the, yeah, he plays Billy Lynn. Yeah. yeah. And um, he asked we just, me. We just both said the same thing. Sorry. Yeah, no. <laughs> and uh, thank you. I need to back me up, dude. And uh, uh, he often would be like asking questions and I just had no answer. Usually I'm like, I love working with first time actors. I'm like, hey man, especially when they're curious. You're like, oh yeah, let's fucking talk about it. And uh, uh, I was like, I have no idea what's going on. I don't even know what that thing is. Like that camera, I'm like looking like directly into the lens, you know, it's like. um, Which doesn't look like a lens, right? Aren't they just big? It's a big black. Big black box. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Two big black boxes it's because two, it's 3D. It's, yeah, it's weird. You they they you don't see two different boxes. They're they're behind the black thing. I don't know. It's right. like it's really weird. And what was a really a huge trip about that was that it was like you always look at different parts of someone's face when you're talking to them. So you can't have like a fixed. But you you're not looking at anyone. And it's funny because all he wants to do is. Is, is, is eliminate this distance that, that an audience has with a movie. You know, he, he literally claims to see flickers of black between frames. Like, you're, yeah. a, psycho, you're a fucking psycho. Yeah. And like, I believe you. I don't think he's making it up, but like, it's really, it's really impressive. And, but, but, but it's kind of counterintuitive because what he's doing to the actors is actually, uh, you know, you have to fill in blanks that I... I felt like I was taking so much responsibility. It was too much responsibility. It was a sort of like odd responsibility because I was like making up somebody else's performance Mm -hmm. 
to be affected by it. And I could hear him, but I couldn't see him. And so it was just like, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a huge collaboration. It's this massive construction. And I'm always like, I don't want to make anything up. It's just, it's a lie. And um, so, yeah, it was hard. It was like, um, every actor went home going, I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea like what we did today. And uh, that's also a really great place to be. It's just uh, weird. It's just weird. It's not yeah. normal. Yeah, it reminds me of Olivier and I were doing a conversation in Vienna a couple years ago, and uh, he was talking about, you know, we were talking about how he works, and then I don't remember how we got there, but he said, well, basically, when I'm making a movie, what I do is I put myself in a position where I'm going to be doing what I'm afraid of, mm -hmm. and it strikes me that this is something that has been a through line in a lot of your discussions of acting in the last couple of days when you've been, you, see, you know, you don't know what you're doing, you're just doing it, yeah. getting the job done. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, um, yeah, it's really, yeah, it's really important. And, and this is like, you, you, now we just sound like we're talking about life and that's like totally like when, when things get good is when you're like, oh, we could be really talking about anything right mm -hmm. now. But um, uh, I, it takes so much for me um, to, everyone feel sorry for me, come on. Uh, but it like takes so, takes so much to be like, cause it's really not in my, you know, you're asking like why people want to make, act in movies. I totally just wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. I just wanted to go to work. I wanted to have a job and the only job that you can have as a kid on a set is be an actor. Yeah. And so um, when I first started, I was like very much of the mind that it was like, I'm, I'm just a member of the crew. Like, you know, don't get it twisted. I am a professional liar and blah, blah, blah. And then I started getting older and I was like, no, no, I just developed this reverence because of what it was feeding me. Mm -hmm. And there was this huge distinction between people that think they know everything and there are technicians that really do. And, and the ones, the truly, cre like honestly, uh, are, are, uh, the technicians that are truly artists mm -hmm. know nothing. Right. And it's terrifying and it's still worth it. Mm -hmm. And it's like um, the coolest thing ever. Like. Uh, I would never do anything if I like knew how it was going to end up. Yeah. Um, uh, there's like when you I was say just, they know nothing, you mean they're willing to give up yeah. their knowledge in order to get something. You've never more made this exciting. movie before, yeah, so right. you actually don't know how to do it. You know what I mean? You have like experience and you have dedication based on some feeling you had, but um, you know, anytime you think you know like how to do something, it's definitely not. Uh, it's not what I'm into, and um, also like. Uh, so Charles is one of my, he's like, he's my man. That's Charles Gillibeer, who yeah. should stand up. Charles Gillibeer, yeah. the producer, <laughs> personal shopper. Come on, man. Okay. Um, but he, I was just telling, uh, when we, he produced On the Road, and um, it was really late. We had to go to work in like two hours, and uh, it was really irresponsible for him to be drinking with us at that hour. And, um, and we were like, how did you do this, man? Like, God, you're... You're a French guy, it's on the road. Like what? And it's like Walter's from Brazil and it's like, God, like who knew? Like, it's just weird. How did this come together? What the fuck? And he was like, you know, uh, he's like definitely not waxing poetically and sounded so legit and like so moving. And I'm gonna paraphrase and probably sound not that moving. Uh, but he was like, when people went to the moon the first time, they didn't know that they weren't gonna die. And with this, we go to the moon. And I was like, yeah, and, and, and like, it's just, you can't do stuff unless there's like massive risk involved or else it's just like, now I'm creating a product in order to be like deemed successful. And that's cool, but it's not fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
you're just going ahead and yeah. doing something new. Yeah. I'm just repeating myself a lot. That was a cool story. <laughs> yeah. 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 Can we talk about what we were talking about before, what you've just done for the first time? Yeah. Do you want to? Oh, I directed a short. I wrote and yeah. directed a short. That's I'm awesome. really excited about it. Yeah, mm -hmm. thanks for asking. Yeah. <laughs> you want to you you hear about it? Sorry? You want, you want to hear about it? Yeah. I'll tell you about yeah. It. Well, the, uh, um, no, I don't. <laughs> Good night, everybody. No, of course it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's cool. I, I didn't decide to. I don't draw a huge distinction between um, the two positions. Uh, they've, they've, they felt so similar to me. Um, one, one is more sporadic and sort of like impulsive and flippant in a way because, like, once it's done, I'm. I'm leaving. I'm, I'm, I can't. You know, it's a yeah, super lightning in a bottle thing. You're just like I'm. I, I and you can't take credit for it. It's something that happened, and you're like, that was great. I'm, I'm appreciative of being a part of it, and I'm proud that I was able to. But at the same time, like something happened, and God, that was cool. And um, as a director, like you can hold something so close to you. Like I saw. I had this, it's like, you know, it's kind of an impressionist. It's, it's pretty painterly. I'm not hiding behind anything by doing a slightly avant-garde first thing. It's just that it's sort of, um, it should, what I want to do is just make sure that everyone stops thinking until the very end. Uh, and when you want to watch a short, you're always like trying to figure out why the short's been made because you only have like, a, you know, not that long to watch it. So you're like, hmm, okay, where, what is this about? I know, I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it. It's like, no, 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 no. And um, uh, so it's like, whatever, it's, it's uh, I wanted it to really like, I wanted it to feel like a wash, like a something that like washes over you. This sounds whatever. But um, uh, I saw people that I admire so much, people that I just, I batted for the fences in terms of like crewing up. And uh, some people were really young and hungry and ambitious and so talented and innovative and weird. And then some people were uh, just people that I'm a huge fan of. Mm -hmm. um, I got like Lars von Trier's editor. Yeah. And he, I saw him kind of get it because I was excited. Mm -hmm. And he caught that and it was contagious. And he was like, I'm excited because you're excited. And I'm like, that's great. But what I really would love is like if you got excited because you were selfish mm -hmm. and you had this desire that I gave you. And um, it happened, and it was the coolest thing. Like, uh, that is the most satisfying thing I have ever done. Mm -hmm. Because uh, as an actor, you're like, you know, a little thing that can help everyone feel this. But when it comes from you, it's like, you know, validation in the most ultimate. I mean, you're not alone, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. I see you, girl. I see you, and I get it. And it's, I was just like, yes. And like, I felt, and when I started this movie, like, I was carrying 8,000 pounds. Mm -hmm. And every single time somebody, Every single time someone's desire became selfish, they like took like 3,000 pounds off my back. And I was like, oh, God, thank you. Can you just carry that? And then we'll just mm -hmm. get to the end. And then like, uh, yeah, it was so cool, man. Mm -hmm. I had so much fun. I've never been happier doing anything. Like, found the next level. So excited. Um, it's probably a shit. No, it'll be good. Trust me, it's fucking cool. Like, I'm telling you, I, I really like it. And that's a huge pleasure. Like, everyone else, you know, you can maybe not like it, but I don't think you can say it's not well done. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to see it. I mean, you know, you got everybody sparked, and thank you. <laughs> Aquarius, Cleberman Donsafiu's follow up to his acclaimed Neighboring Sounds, was a favorite at this year's Cannes Film Festival. It centers on a 65-year-old widow's struggle to keep her apartment from an opportunistic real estate promoter who has bought up all the other units in the building. 
Legendary Brazilian actress Sonia Braga joined the film's director to discuss Aquarius in one of our daily NYFF Live Talks, which are sponsored by HBO. These talks take place every day during the festival starting at 7 p.m. in the amphitheater of the Eleanor Bunin Monroe Film Center. Check out filmlink.org NYFF for more information. Let's go now to the conversation with Kleber Mendonca Fiu and Sonia Braga. So I just saw that many of you here have already seen Aquarius and anybody who was in the screening last night at Alice Tully Hall, which was the US premiere, saw in the Q&A afterwards that there were people on the side of the audience silently holding up protest signs. And I see we actually have some protest signs here tonight. Um, And I'm sure both of you are very used to this already because at the premiere in Cannes in May, you participated in a red carpet demonstration to protest the new government in Brazil. And I'm wondering how you feel about being the center of so much political attention. It seems to be ongoing, and it's following you around at every screening you go to. Uh, Yes, um, the film seems to have touched a nerve in Brazilian society. And uh, we did the protest in Cannes at a very dramatic uh, moment in Brazilian politics. In fact, it seems to get more and more dramatic every week. And um, at the time we went up the steps at the Palais, uh, the Ministry of Justice had been slashed, had been extinguished. Uh, This impeachment process uh, had begun, and we did this very quiet uh, little protest, which became something big. And uh, every time we screened the film, not only in Brazil, but in other cities, it happened in Brussels, in Paris, in Sydney, in Munich. It happened last night uh, here in New York, of course. Um, I think the film, in, especially in Brazil, of course, it seems to have uh, it seems to have captured uh, a certain mood, you know, a certain atmosphere in the country. And uh, of course, it is not a political film uh, in the sense that it takes place in Congress or in the Senate or in some government building. But it's a political film because it's it's about somebody who says no at a certain point. And this, I think, in today's society, sometimes when you say no, it becomes a political act. And, uh, it, I mean, it's been fantastic in Brazil. I mean, it's, uh, we've done, we're still in a lot of screens. We've done 350,000 tickets, uh, which is amazing for a, a film this size. And uh, we've had a lot of very passionate reactions to the film, you know. Packed uh, screenings with people screaming at the end. It's the film does have a kind of a cathartic uh, element to it, especially reaching uh, the end, the, the final sequence. And it happened again at the Alice Tully Hall last night. And uh, and uh, yeah, when you go back, uh, you know, looking at the the history of film, you you can see that some films they seem to have captured a certain mood, and it seems to have happened with Aquarius to my surprise. But it's been a very passionate and very complex and complicated year in Brazilian society, so maybe it comes with the package. Do you feel like people are engaging with the issues raised in the film, or 
is the polarized political climate still dominating the discussion around the film? Because people were arguing about it for months before they had even seen the film. And now that it's been released and it's popular, do you feel like people are actually discussing in a more nuanced way the, the, the critique raised in the film? Um, we've had uh, major articles coming out almost basically every two days in Brazil. Uh, the, the latest one came out on Sunday, yesterday, at Folha de São Paulo. Very interesting piece. Um, yes, the film was being discussed for three months before anybody saw it in Brazil. And after it opened, uh, the discussion grew bigger, of course, because people began to see the film. And uh, there has been a lot of for and against, and mostly based on uh, the political views of those writing about the film. But of course, it's very healthy because ultimately it's a democracy and people should discuss a work of art, and that's what's been happening to Aquarius. And it, it's been amazing. As a filmmaker, I think it's an amazing thing especially when things um, are, you know, based on ideas. Uh, of course, some of those pieces, they leave the field of ideas and they, um, you know, they, they begin to sound a little uh, uh, off the track in terms of, of, of the ideas which are really absent. It, it's, it's very much like, uh, like we say in Brazil, it's a discussion about football and my team is better than yours, and, but I don't know, maybe that's part of the, the game also. I imagine some people watch the film because they're Sonia Braga fans and they may not even be aware of the political controversy surrounding the film. And Sonia, I'm curious what it's like for you as such a known celebrity, the reactions that you hear from people to this role and to the film and to your involvement. Yeah, it's a... a uh, boa noite para quem fala português. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Well, it's very interesting because uh, many people come to talk to me uh, saying this phrase, it's amazing because there is no such a woman in the movies. And uh, uh, the first time that I heard that uh, and I understood that was, yes, but this person this woman is in life. She's just not in the film, so that's not fair. And listen to you talking now and the, the, the situation in Brazil, it seems to me also that um, what it is in the film also is not being talking about in arts, in films, in uh, about politics. So when this film came and uh, people start uh, watching the film, maybe because of myself, but also, and a lot, because they like Kleber uh, uh, and uh, his movies from the, Kleber's uh, big fans from his short films and everything. So I think it was a combination of uh, this chemistry between me, myself, and Kleber. But also I think that uh, this film brought to people this thing that it is out there, but really is not in the movies. People are not talking about this kind of uh, actions that citizens should take when they know they have the right 
like if you know you have to write to, to sue somebody, you should go ahead and do it, or if you don't agree with something. And uh, what's wrong in Brazil is that it should be a dialogue and not like a, a country divided as it is in black and white. So I believe, and, uh, and I want to believe that, that this movie brought a little bit to people that may be unaware went to see the movie because of me and went out home saying, oh, that's a great thing. So it's about uh, something that we have to say no when we don't like about it. So I think brought back the colors of discussions and uh, the dialogue that should be there uh, before even, you know. And uh, I feel very pleased that I did this movie and uh, today I got um, uh, my, my um, cousin sent me an email and I folded, I printed it, I folded and gave as a gift to Kleber. That is a, is a young man, he's 28 years old and he wrote to my cousin to send the email to me saying, how come I didn't know you? What's happening? I'm amazed. I, I, I went to see Aquarius and I'm in shock. Where were you? So it's a good question, you know, when you have 200 million people in the country, one network television sometimes gets, uh, can get difficult to, to, to be around, I guess. You both said that the film isn't explicitly political, but Clara, the character, makes a political act in saying no and exercising her right as a citizen to sue or to fight for what she believes in. Um, she's an aging woman who demands respect and who disagrees with what her place in society is. And you also have some class um, hierarchy that is shown in the film that Clara is, is more affluent and she has a housekeeper who you know, there's definitely a social hierarchy there. So I, I feel that there are some social critiques that you're interested in exploring in the film, but it's, it's nuanced and it's not overtly political. So how did you approach that when you were writing the film and making the film? And was there anything that you thought, no, this is too much, this is too obvious, or nobody would believe this even if it is based on, you know, real instances that you've found in your research or your writing? I basically, I was just very honest with what living in Brazil and being Brazilian and belonging to the, to the class I belong to uh, uh, means. Um, Brazil, of course, I mean, any society is complex and full of contradictions. And sometimes I feel that in films or even books, novels, the the nuances and the complexities are missing. Um, for instance, in Brazilian film, if we go back to the 60s, uh, there was this desire to portray the lower classes and the favelas and uh, the people living in the sertão and hunger and uh, and often uh, or most of the times uh, the filmmakers they. They did not have personal training in, in those themes. Uh, that might have brought us some amazing films, and in many other cases, some films which feel phony. Uh, and this has become more or less the norm in Brazilian film production. 
when I was a young film critic, I, I seemed to focus a lot on identifying those problems. And of course, sometimes uh, when you're a young film critic, you were going to fight for the films that you would like to see being made. And uh, you criticized the ones that, for some reason, you decided that that should be criticized. And then I set out to make my own films, and they bring sounds and Aquarius, that they bring uh, um, this um, point of view, which is, in a way, it's ambivalent, but at the same time, it's, it's, uh, it's full of tension and conflict, because living in society is full of tension and conflict. Uh, lately, I should point out, uh, after the initial impact of finding out what Aquarius was and what Clara was, uh, in Brazil, people began to ask themselves, but wait, uh, she's bourgeois, uh, and she, at the same time, she, she's fighting this uh, company. She has a housemaid, but at the same time, the guy from the company points out that she has darker skin. She has a nightmare with a black woman whom she accuses of uh, I'm spoiling the film for those who haven't seen it. <laughs> <coughs> she has a nightmare with a with a with a, a woman from her past, from the past of her family, and this woman is is black. Uh, so all of these um, elements that belong to the characterization of Clara, they began to emerge sometimes as extremely negative, and sometimes as seen as uh, very positive aspects of the of how she was built um, so she's supposed to be this uh, the 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 weak part of the, the the conflict but at the same time she uses her power her class which comes from class uh, to fight back and 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 get what she wants so yeah um, i just so in answer to your question, I just try to be as honest as possible, and sometimes that means being uh, a little uh, hard on, 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 on the country I come from. And, and, and it's like I said back in Brasilia at the Brazilian Film Festival where I did a master class and, and some of these racial issues came up, and my answer was I, no film of mine will ever try to fix uh, Brazil. You know, that's my my main reaction to that. Clara is such a rich character. She has so much history and so many layers. And you said that when you were casting the role, you realized that you needed a professional actress who's accomplished, like Sonia Braga. The best and the biggest. Yeah, <laughs> to be able to pull it off. And he got me. You pull it off beautifully. Um, so it's such a challenging role, and I think, Sonia, you're in almost all of the movie, at least the scenes that take place in present day. Um, what was so, what do you both think is so challenging about the role of Clara, and what, what, how did you discuss bringing her to life behind the scenes? How did you approach her as a character? <laughs> both nodding your heads. Well, because when you when I saw the film and I go, whoa, you know, and <laughs> because first of all, what happened was it was a mission 
a rescue mission that Clever did. That's why I gave this uh, uh, letter to him today. And in the letter, I say, thanks for the rescue. Um, when he invited me to be in his movie, it, it, speaking Portuguese, right? That, so that's where everything started. And he sent the screenplay, and I start reading it. And uh, I was reading as an actress that I was being all my life for 50 years. I cannot believe it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, I started reading it, and it's just there was a dialogue between me and this character. We knew each other, I knew her, and uh, it was like uh, even uh, as if Kleber was spying on me or something. And I have this, uh, yeah, you were. And I had this feeling that we were talking the other day that, you know, the, when I start reading, it was almost like this is science fiction thing that I came out and I met Clara in another dimension and uh, we we're talking and make agreements uh, how we're gonna do this, you know? And we came back and say, okay, Clever, we're ready to do it. Roll the cameras. Because there was no, f from myself, there was no, maybe not even one question about it or, you know, how is she, why is she doing this? Everything was like so, Right, one, one, one scene to another, leading to another that was right, that the other one that was perfect, and the relationship that she had it and, and the, to everybody. And uh, the thing that Kleber described to me, and the other day here in the conversation, you were talking again, and I remember so vividly, that you were saying the point of view of the camera, the movie was that camera, that. The, that the, the point of view, it was very important to you, and that maybe that's why, you know, becomes so strong, because it, it's, it's a movie. It's so cinema, it's so like, and I was the witness of that. I don't understand when actors don't, do, they don't want to be in a movie set, because we were, uh, we are witness of a, movie making, you know, it's like to be the, 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 the witness of a, a painting or something that's gonna be on a screening. So we're laying down there and those cranes are flying over yourself, you know, and then the, these people are, you know, looking at you and retouching you and everything, then you were making a movie, it's so, it's so exciting, it's so important, so good. And especially in this one, that uh, you know, everyone, I say we, I don't say they, because we were all of us collaborators in the, the, the way of uh, we are doing the same thing. We're doing a movie, we're doing this movie. And this is Aquarius, I think. And the Clara is that, he, she is the, the probably the, the the answer or the question from all of us all together. You know, we want that woman to be that Clara that everybody now. Some people uh, write to me saying they want to meet Clara. So that's gonna be hard because <laughs> they want to have a tea, but with her, <laughs> and so do I. <laughs> Interesting thing you said, Michael, um, about her being in present, in the present day scenes in the film. 
But when we shot the 1980 segment in the film, it was a month after we had shot, uh, after we had began to shoot the film. So the 1980 segment, uh, where Clara is played by Barbara Colin, she was already poisoned in a way by Sonia in the film, and everybody was kind of um, touched by what Sonia had been doing for a month in the film. So even if she's not in those in that segment, there is something of Sonia in that segment. And about the role being demanding, I. I, I really, when I write a script, I, I try to, I think in terms of dynamics, almost like a, 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 couple, a couple of songs from pop music, they, 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 they come up in my mind every now and then, you know, something like A Day in a Life or Bohemian Rhapsody or maybe Alegria, Alegria by Caetano. They are, they are very, um, the way they evolve and the way they go up and down and uh, and I think a good script or a good book, it should, it should go all the way up and all the way down and uh, it should never be flat all the time. And I think that's how I see Clara's role in the film. You know, she's, she gets emotional, she gets angry, she, she is lonely, she's surrounded by people, she's violent, she has sex. And, uh, and all of that combined together, I think, uh, you get a very demanding role, and, and I had this ridiculous she idea. She smokes a uh, good joint, yeah. Uh, and I had this bad idea that I would find a, a, an unknown actress uh, on the street in the supermarket. Uh, and then, of course, I, I realized that was stupid. And you'd, you'd still be looking. I would still be waiting, yeah. Um, you, Sonia, you touched on this already a bit, but you, it's been, you've been living and working in the U.S. for quite a while, and you came to Sifi to shoot this film, um, working with a group of people who live and work in Sifi, and you're kind of like an outsider coming to a group of strangers, and you had to very quickly build up an intimate trust with them to be able to do your performance. So can you talk, both of you, about how you worked on set and what the filming process was like? Well, first, uh, the f first I, I met uh, Kleber by Skype. And uh, so we're talking, it was the first talk after I read the screenplay. So, and uh, then he said one day to me, very worried. The first time we talked, I had dengue fe fever. So you thought I was a very kind of sickly director. That's yeah. true. That he was like, almost like dying. <laughs> Don't die on me now, you found me, please. <laughs> Get soup, rest, <laughs> a lot of water, please. Let's talk about the film. So uh, it's true, you had dengue, right? Oh my God. And uh, he, he survived. And <laughs> and got even better. So one day, Clever uh, says, Sonia, I need to talk to you about something. And I say, okay. <laughs> and he says, oh. Here's the thing, uh, sometimes you need to know that. I like to work with people, they're not actors. And I go, fantastic, I love it, because I'm not an actor either. And he says, you know what? 
And I say, yeah, because I'm afraid of actors. And I, I, I was, I was. I have to say that Kleber fixed that. I'm afraid of the rehearsals. I was afraid of reading. And because I had this fear of going to a rehearsal with acad academic actors where they are so prepared and they know so much. And I go there knowing nothing. I want people to tell me what to do, you know? So when he told me that, I say, wow, this is going to be fun. This is going to be nice to be with people that they, they probably even know more than I do because they're from Recife, you know? We're going to work together, and this is going to be fantastic. So then Kleber came here. We talked for two days, right? You were feeling better. It was very hot, and, <laughs> and uh, you were very sweat. And then he go home, and when I got there, uh, I was ready to go. So we went to rehearsals. What, what he told me was going to be, relax, Sonia. It's going to be OK. And it really was. It was like so uh, easy, you know? and. Uh, Nobody questioned that I was there, and uh, you know, I met the, the the people that I was working with. I never asked them, "Are you an actor or not?" They were the characters. They were like to play the characters, and there was such respect uh, from everybody to everybody. You know, so as I t said before, really, uh, I I was I have to say this. I was so happy, uh, first of all, that I was doing a movie, my mother tongue, that I wasn't using it for a long time. So um, that was very important to me, because the last movie, as in the movies that I did, was uh, Tieta, right, Kleber? Carlos Diegues. He, he knows more li my life uh, than me, because <laughs> <laughs> he tracks that. Um, so to me, to have that gift to be rescued to the Brazilian movies, and when we're making a movie, of course, we want this movie to be the best things of our lives, because it's a hard work, it costs a lot, you know, and uh, it's, uh, it's like six days a week we work, one day off, I never had a day off, I never had a break for lunch, uh, I would just so doing rehearsals, working work, break, I was learning piano, and the work, sleep, wake up, go back to rehearsal. And I, I, said, I said to them, look, I cannot be sick. So my day break, I would go to acupuncturist so I could uh, get good energy to be ready for. And that was my life for all these um, um, months. So the seven weeks, right? So when we got there, we were, I, I don't think we had time for this, you know, this little thing, like, uh, uh, oh, you're coming. No, we're ready to jump and work. Everybody was so excited. Uh, that's what I remember, you know. And uh, um, uh, Emily is here. Emily, our producer. There Executive she is. Executive producer. <laughs> Emily. Emily did something that was so fantastic uh, for me. It's something that I never had in my life and, and I never needed. And uh, she, she got somebody to work with me 24 hours a day, Karina Nobre, and it was my 
angel, I called her. You know, she was really my angel. So she, she would uh, make me, like, go e every day and come back every day. She would pick me up. She dropped me home, and she was my angel. So, you know, that's the way it was. And next that we know, the movie ended, and we're at the beach, right? And uh, that's the rap party. And sadly, actually, it was the rap party. I almost cried now. <laughs> I have one last question, and then we'll take some questions from the audience. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about genre, because um, Clara is kind of like a classic heroine, and Diego is an old-fashioned villain, or you could see it that way. And Clara also is very... She, she's in the present and the past, often at the same times. So there's kind of an element of time travel if you want to get creative. So were you consciously playing with any genre conventions when you made the movie or, or when you were writing the script? I'm still not sure if it's too conscious. Uh, I really believe it comes from my own, whatever style it is that I have, it, it just comes out naturally. Uh, it, it, it happened in uh, Neighboring Sounds, which is not a genre piece, but it feels like a thriller. Uh, at least, you know, people seem to agree on that. Uh, and the same thing again with Aquarius. Um, I, in fact, uh, the early synopsis I, I, I sent out was, uh, it said that Clara is a 65-year-old uh, retired journalist who has the ability to uh, travel in time uh, and I, I actually don't think it's it's so far off what the film actually is but that synopsis was actually designed to uh, um, not um, divulge the the actual plot because we needed uh, we didn't want the um, construction companies uh, after us uh, before we even made the film I just said it I can't believe I said that here but it's we true. don't have to keep the secret anymore? No, because okay, the film good. is done. And I don't have any other projects with construction companies. <coughs> but um, I also thought that, you know, after I began to show the script to some friends and they reacted, uh, uh, I already felt it reading the script, but they, they came back saying that it felt very much like a siege movie, you know, almost like, uh, of course, you have the... Uh, Clara's apartment, flat, and uh, it's very well established in the film with different kinds of shots, and uh, that space is well defined in the film, and that's and, and, and it's always a situation of security has been compromised or might be compromised in terms of her safety. People trying to come in, which is a very classic situation, which seems to come back uh, in, in some of my other films also, even going back to the short films. So um, there are some genre elements, I think, uh, and some people have reported feeling very anxious uh, watching the film, which I think is a, is a good uh, reaction. But ultimately, uh, it's, it's not a horror film. It probably feels a little bit like one every now and then, but it's, it's, it's mostly uh, a straight drama, I think. But I think the, the elements are there. 
Okay, so we'll take some questions from the audience. We have a microphone going around, so if you could just wait for me to call on you. Um, can we have a microphone right here? Uh, I just want to start by saying thank you, Michael. You've done such amazing digital stuff for all of us who are not present, can see so much that happens at the New York Film Festival, and that you bring Sonia and this wonderful director that will be able to go much further than this room. My question has to do with novella, and some of the elements of the story seem to, to bring in that aspect of popular culture as the novella, and also 30s and 40s movies that had very strong women that were socially conscious and engaged, but were popular culture movies. Did any of, does any of that make sense to you in terms of Aquarius? Um, well, uh, I never even considered uh, writing a male character for this film. I always thought that she would be a woman, a strong woman. Um, I think dramatically, a woman faces more obstacles in society because societies are normally chauvinistic and Brazil of course is is one of them um, I I really understood that when I was writing or reading the the sequence where the, the the men from the construction company knock on her door and it would not be the same scene if if a five foot ten sixty five seventy year old man got up and answered the door. I think it's stronger when it's a woman and she opens the door and, and she sees three men. There is something more dramatic in that, in the way they talk to her and the, the way they try to make her do something. So she would always be a woman. Um, when you mentioned the films of the 30s and 40s, yes. Um, I still don't understand why is it that we don't see so many films with strong women, uh, even oh, especially uh, you know women after 40. I, I don't know why. Uh, for me, it was I never really thought about that, but it seems to come up a lot after the you know the film has come out. And uh, the most beautiful thing that I've been getting for this film everywhere, not only in Brazil, is very young women reacting to Clara as, as a possibility for the future. And uh, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing. Not saying a possibility for me. <laughs> <laughs> she is you. <laughs> I, I actually believe that this film is more, uh, less, or more, more open than, for example, Neighboring Sounds. People, I mean, Neighboring Sounds was a very successful film, but it seemed to leave some people scratching their heads. This one is more straightforward. I really like um, some, uh, one, one thing that I did discuss with a lot of my friends uh, before making the film, even during the making of the film, was this idea of contemporary cinema or contemporary world cinema. Um, for some reason, uh, it has become fashionable for films to hold shots for sometimes extreme amounts of time in fixed shots. And it's, 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 it's almost like people 
sent out a memo to characters saying don't say a word. Uh, and, uh, and then I go back to the American films of the 70s, which in my mind are some of the best films ever made, or at least to my taste, where people talk, and then there is a cut, and then the other person is answering, and then there's another cut, and the other person is asking a question, and, and so forth. And films are fast, and films just feel natural without any uh, fashion concerns. And that's what I did, basically. Uh, sometimes it's very talky, Aquarius, and sometimes it shuts the hell up, and there's a five, six minute sequence where Sonia is going about doing her things uh, at the flat, the apartment, and uh, uh, yeah. Um, I like the idea that it's, it's a popular film, and it, it, if it resembles uh, you know, aspects from pop culture, could be television or films from the past, you know, I'm all right with that. You know? I'm fascinated by the way that culture feeds on film itself, you know, or film feeds on, on, the culture, on the history of culture itself. Okay, can we get a question in the, or a, a microphone in the third row? I, I want to um, I, I want to ask Kreber elaborate a little bit more about uh, shoot a film in Recife, because for me this was one of the great contribution of the last government that shift you know, the, the attention from the rural uh, Pernambuco or northeast for the new themes and new I think is so so new. For example, have literature, cinema. What is going on in Recife, and why? I think I am very curious about this. A very tough question to answer. Um, it's really about uh, a very strong film scene. Uh, some, I think, four or five, maybe six months ago, we you had here uh, another film from a very strong film from Recife, uh, Neon Ball, Boy Neon by. Gabriel Mascar, I think he was here, yeah. And um, and over the last 15, 17 years, the film production in in Recife really took center stage in in Brazilian film, not in Brazilian commercial cinema, but in Brazilian, uh, uh, let's say, more personal films coming out of Brazil. Um, I think the the whole digital revolution had a lot to do with this, but also, of course, uh, there is something, culturally speaking, very strong in, in, in Pernambuco state, in Recife. Of course, uh, over the, the last 80, the last 100 years, really, uh, we've had uh, very strong literature. We had a fantastic uh, silent uh, film movement in the 20s, uh, the Ciclo do Recife which is also very hard to explain why it would happen in, in Hesif in the 20s, but it did. And two of those films are still are classics, are really, really good films. Aitare da Praia and A Filha do Advogado, wonderful uh, silent films. Um, uh, yeah, it's, we had a very interesting uh, Super 8 movement in the, in the 70s, and. And then production picked up again in the 90s uh, with short films. And, and, and today there is a lot of uh, 
funding, local funding, uh, which when you mix local funding with federal funding, uh, you, you can actually make films which are not, you know, mega productions. They're kind of, um, um, I think, uh, intelligently well-scaled. Uh. I think, uh, like being from um, the other, not even more from the other cities, but the other country, going to straight from here to receive what I observed too, the collaborators of uh, Aquarius that they make other movies together. The crew from Aquarius did the other film. It was even in Cannes with us, a short film. And then I was observing that they um, are really committed with the city, with uh, what, what's happening socially, economically, politically, and they are all very, very committed and involved in this aspects of the life as citizens um, than artists altogether. So I think that makes a, a really a great effect uh, and in their works as uh, artists. And, uh, and I believe from an observer that uh, that was, uh, is what happens a little bit different from the other centers, Sao Paulo and Rio, they, they, do, they do the gig and they go home, you know? You know, like jazz musicians, they're passionate about the music, so they, they play the music, but they do weddings, right? And they go, I know a friend of mine taught me that, Mark, he goes, well, a gig is a gig. So that's why they make the bread, you know, so I felt like being received that people are so passionate about the city, the life of the city, the, the, the politics, the, the economics, and, and the art, it's, they talk about it. Uh, I haven't seen that since maybe when I was growing up in Sao Paulo in the 70s, the 60s, you know, and uh, that was amazing to me. And the other day that was the, um, uh, the movement for the Senior Linda that they took over a movie maybe you occupy can talk Senior occupy Senior Linda so maybe you can you want to talk about this little so that demonstrated a, a little bit how the city is not just the, the the filmmakers and the art but there was the audience that moves together with it yeah there's this classic uh, movie palace in Olinda um, which has been closed for f over 40 uh, almost 50 years and it, it's always supposed to open sometime, and it, it never opens. So uh, last week, uh, this you know the cultural people who work with us basically and, and friends, uh, they took over the, the cinema and uh, and they did a, a, a special screening of Aquarius on Saturday night, which was beautiful. Uh, we were in New York; I couldn't attend, but it w we got the pictures, and it was a very special moment because now it seems that something is going to happen at last uh, with that place. Uh, in other uh, words, they play jazz, right? They play jazz, <laughs> yeah. I'd just like to point out that uh, the, the cinema from Pernambuco has been getting a lot of attention, but it's, it's, it's very important to say that I think, in my mind, the Brazilian cinema is going through a very fertile and interesting moment right now, so there are good films coming from, uh, from other cities. And so we just have time for one more question. Um, we'll go right here. Okay, so I wanted to say that one of the things I like the most about the movie is that the characters 
uh, they are not they are not like politicians or important people. They are all very simple, but they are at the same time very powerful, and they represent the whole society and the whole culture in Brazil. Um, I loved all the characters, but I want to talk about especially Diego because I found him so fascinating because I feel like I know a lot of Diego's in my life in Brazil. Me too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's like, he's the villain, but he's, he's the Brazilian kind of villain. He doesn't know that he's a villain. He thinks he's the good guy. And that's, like... That's funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I love the scene when Clara tells he she's telling him about the party and he's like oh i'm sorry i didn't know he's not like yeah he's not mean you know he's polite and he's oh sorry that was my bad i didn't mean i will talk to them he's like he really plays the good guy role but he's not he's and i think this is basically how our politicians and all the I, I mean, this is our culture. Like, the bad guys in Brazil are not... They think they're the good guys. And I wanted to... Because you... Not, you yeah. not, not all of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. But I guess the ones that... I mean, the politicians. I'm talking about the politicians, basically, because this movie is very... Um, it talks a lot about politics, but not in a direct way, as you said. So I wanted to know if you think he represents the the politics in any way, the politics. Um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was uh, talking to Gregorio before we came in. There seems to be a collapse of, um, of representation of, for example, the villain, uh, not only in Brazil, I think. Uh, I think um, in the world today, um, for instance, um, if we went back to the 80s and I saw some sci-fi, dystopian, apocalyptic uh, science fiction film, forgive me for what I'm about to say, uh, somebody like Donald Trump would be the president of the United States. And, and, uh, <laughs> and, and today it, it, he's really running and, and he's almost there. I, I, I actually believe that he will not be elected. I, forgive me for anybody who's going to vote for Mr. Trump here. Uh, but uh, when, when we deal with villains and, and the representation of certain uh, archetypes in, in film, um, a lot of, for example, a lot of the news that are, that's coming out in Brazil now, it really reads like a Monty Python sketch um, <laughs> in terms of the absurdity of the decisions, in, in terms of the absurdity of, the, of, the, of how politicians, of, of what politicians say. Uh, uh, the, the newly elected mayor of Sao Paulo, uh, Doria, he said uh, on Saturday on, in the newspaper that he hopes one day most Brazilians will be able to wear uh, Ralph Lauren uh, as a means of equality. So, you know, it's, uh, so it's becoming very tough to write fiction. Uh, <laughs> not only in Brazil, uh, so I tried to make Diego as, as plausible as humanly possible because I know some Diegos. And in his case, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, he doesn't, he hasn't been told that he's a villain, but, but he actually is. But I have to disagree with you and, and some politicians actually walk and talk like villains. Unfortunately, Thank we you. have to end our discussion. Please join me in 
thinking. Thank you Thank very you. much. Thank you. The Close-Up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center is produced by Nick Kemp and Michael Odemark. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to The Close-Up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a nonprofit arts organization based in New York City, supported by individuals just like you. Founded in 1969 to celebrate American and international cinema, the Film Society presents year-round programming recognizing established and emerging filmmakers, supporting important new work, and enhancing awareness, accessibility, and understanding of the moving image. To learn more about what we do and support the Film Society by becoming a member, please visit filmlink.org, F-I-L-M-L-I-N-C.org. The Film Society of Lincoln Center. Film lives here. <laughs>